You're listening to the Social Media Addicts Podcast on the phillytech.org netcast network. Sponsorship provided by AWeber at aweber.com slash phillytech. Get Flywheel, optimized WordPress hosting at getflywheel.com. Wistia.com at WISTIA.com and Zoho Mail. Hey everybody and welcome to episode, what are we, 14 now? Episode 14. Episode 14 of the Social Media Addicts Podcast. I'm, I'm here again with Howard Yermish. How you doing um, this week? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, um... Jody is out galvanizing around with her dogs, and so Howard's nice enough to come in on a Wednesday to help me record the show again. So much so that he's our, he's now our our official pinch hitter. So when right. Jody can't make the show, Howard is the man. I'm I'm ready to go, Coach. Put me in. Put you in. Batter's up. Exactly. Well, that's what we like to hear. And thank you, Howard, for stepping up. Oh, it's and, my pleasure. And hopefully, in the new year, we'll have some more shows with Howard in them because I think. Howard and I really, you know, like Jody and I, like work well together. I think me and Howard and I work well together too. So, love fest. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So All right. So, sweet versions of hugs. Sweet versions of hugs. Actually, rather an Instagram hug, which would be a little bit more. You know, I'd have, you know, more than just 140 characters. So. Yeah, and an image. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, before we get started, I want to thank. Our sponsors, real fast, Wistia, Aweber, Flywheel, and Zoho Mail. You'll hear about them more during the show. And I want to plead with you guys, if you want to help us out, please go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, slash phillytechorg, all one word. Give a dollar, give a few dollars every month. Every little bit helps. Um, it, it greatly appreciate it, and it will really help out the network to grow and and build out our shows a little bit more, and maybe even move off of Hangouts onto a more advanced platform. We'll see. So anyhow, let's start the show. You ready, Howard? Are you awake? I'm mostly awake. Yeah, Howard had a late <laughs> night last night. He was out partying at the Wallace <laughs> Theater. So. If partying involves being in a, in a theater with my children, then that's a party. Aww. He's <laughs> a good daddy. That's, yeah, that's so, what I did. So what's going on with Twitter? Is the users are more loyal to brands than those on Facebook. Yeah, um, I don't. This is one of those things that when I think about this story intuitively, I think, well, there's no like, you're going to see everything, and on Twitter, there's a whole lot of um, uh, sort of one-to-one -one dialogue. So there's a lot of that, yeah. You know, I would see things, you know, and especially when it, you think about it in terms of political content, um, Twitter, it really feels like a one-to-one -one conversation, just the nature of it, even if you never get anything back. Um, although a lot of people who are smart on Twitter as a brand is when someone comments, they comment back because they see that it's in public. Uh, when you do it on Facebook, when someone's doing the back and forth, those comments sometimes, uh, I don't want to say they get lost in the shuffle, but they're not as visible. They're they're really not as visible, and uh, you know, Facebook sort of summarizes everything, um, so other people won't see that one to one quite as much. Um, also, if I post something on a Facebook page, and then someone else goes to that Facebook page, they probably won't see what I post. Um, they'd have to really go digging for it. Where on Twitter, they're seeing it. It's a uh, it's a lot it's a lot more visible. So you know, this is one of those studies where um, I see the results and I go, yeah, that makes sense. 
it, it makes sense. What I what I've noticed is I've gotten a lot more customer service help on Twitter. Like I'll, I'll, like like, I, like Howard just said, I will at reply people, you know, companies and say, hey, this is broken or what's wrong with my internet. I mean, back when I was using Comcast, I actually moved my whole internet service from my apartment to my new house, all through Twitter. I didn't call them once. If I ever had an issue with Verizon, you know, BIOS, I tweet them. They get they help me out via Twitter. I find it so much more helpful than the phone. And I've tried help like with Fitbit. I did it through Facebook because I knew that that's where my friend John McDaniel did it, and he he got results. So I did it through Facebook, and it worked. But I feel like you know, especially with the Facebook, the way Facebook brand pages are, you have the brand posts front and center, and then the comments below those brand posts, and then you have the wall, which is where all the consumers can post, and the wall is off the, the main page. So you, if you want to read all the flotsam and jetsam and all the craziness that's going on on the wall, you have to go to that wall, you know, and go there. I mean, the only way someone can really create a stink on the main page is if they put it in the comments below. Well, and by putting it in the comments below, they kind of lose the ability to shape the conversation. They're still, you know, they're commenting on something that has nothing to do with the original post, so it naturally gets buried. Um, Absolutely. It's still something where... You know, even uh, this is something that you've seen in the mobile app, and now you're seeing it on the desktop app. You're seeing here's a post, and it might show you know 75 comments, but it's showing as a little bubble and the number 75. It's not actually listing it down. Um, yeah, I've noticed that. Yeah, conserve, conserve space that way. Um, it's an interesting tweak. Uh, it definitely gives brands a little bit more control as to what's appearing, but it re uh, it reiterates what this study is showing, which is on Twitter you're not hiding that stuff. So it's out there. So that I think people feel like they're heard better. So they'll feel a little more loyal. One thing, one last thing on this topic, then we'll move on. Um, I've also noticed that Twitter, though, you know, a lot of times you have to scream a few times at the brand for them to hear you. Or if you really are mad at the brand, you tweet a bunch of times because if you want to be heard by everybody else, because Twitter is a stream of consciousness thing. It, you know, if you don't catch it right then, you might not see it unless it's a viral event, like unfortunately the Eric Gardner or the Trayvon Martin or the Michael Brown, you know, that, that stuff out there, you'll see those comments all the time and you're searching for them. But if you're, if it's, let's say you have a problem with your DiGiorno, I'm picking on DiGiorno here, and you found a beetle in your DiGiorno pizza, they'll see it, they'll deal with it, and if people are searching out DiGiorno and they follow DiGiorno, they might see it. But if you're following like 3,000 people like I am on Twitter, which I know is insane, but you have it. You have people in lists. Like I have people in lists, and I'll show people at some point. I'll do a screencast mm -hmm. session of how I use Twitter. But I don't look at my home feed. I look at my my curated Twitter list. So I may follow somebody, but if they're not on a list, I'm not necessarily seeing them. And so if they're tweeting about their problems with a certain brand, and I don't catch it right then, I'm not seeing that. So there is a little bit of that with you know Twitter as there is with Facebook. But I do feel like brands are aware that. It is real time, and people will catch it, especially if it's a big issue. Um, I also think there's a mechanics issue. The notifications of Twitter are, it's much easier if you're mentioned on Twitter. It is much easier to handle that. Um, there's cheaper tools to do good monitoring on Twitter. You know, th there's things that any brand can use just the basic Twitter functionality and have great real-time feedback, mm -hmm. notifications, things like that. Um, we're on Facebook. Uh, the, the monitoring is a little bit more either manual or you need a much more expensive tool to get some of that real-time feedback. 
Um, it's very. It's also very kludgy, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. So let's move on. Um, one thing I love about Google Plus, and Facebook's done this as well, but on Google Plus, you're now able to improve the way you identify your gender on on the network. Now, before you know, you know, a year ago even, it was are you a man, are you a woman, are you male or female, or are you other? Well, other doesn't really say if you're transgender, if you're, um, what is Marilyn Manson, a hermaphrodite, or uh, if you're, you know, or you identify as a different, a different way of being. You know, you, even if you identify as I'm an extraterrestrial, for that matter, I don't mean to make light of this situation, but I'm saying if you don't fall, find yourself falling into a male or female categorization, you can now on Google Plus enter a number of the different. It shows a bunch of different. Um, adjectives for you, or you can do other and write your own in there. So that's very nice. I like that Google Plus did that. Facebook has something similar as well, and I think we're going to see a lot more of this as we see the LGBT community, you know, get more f freedoms, for lack of a better word. I mean, they get more recognized in the U.S. as a legitimate, you know, way of being. I I, I don't have a way of really using the right words here, but um. So I don't mean to offend anybody. I really don't. Um, but you know, as you know, the right to marry, same-sex couples could have the right to marry, and all that. I feel like social networks are realizing that hey, they need to make these designations a lot broader than just male, female, and other. What do you think, Howard? Um, yeah, this is something that I think Google Plus has always done well. Um, they've gone through some different iterations. It's nice to see the progress on it. Um, I, I look at it this way. The reason they want to know male and female on any of these networks is demographic data. That's it. So the more creativity that they let people have with it, it really ruins their demographic data. That that's that is the product that they sell to advertisers. Are you male or are you female? Um, so there's a part of uh, the business side of it that says we just just let us know, and then you can like, what are you really? So go ahead and identify this more as a characteristic or a political view than uh, a gender. At the same time, you know what? Um, we're willingly signing up as the product, and if we want to make that demographic data messy, then I would say it's on Facebook, it's on Google, it's on Twitter, however they get this data. It is on them to make us want to be there. So mm -hmm. if this improvement can be done in a way that doesn't, um, hurt their overall business model, then they're going to do it. It's great to see Google doing it. So, um, you know, have at it. You know, identify yeah. yourself the way that that you want to, and not the way that someone says you have to be identified this way. So, I'm all for it. I like that they're doing it. And here's the thing. The other thing before we move on is I I feel like now they might they might have one category for male, one category for female, and then they might still behind the scenes. Categories, anything that says other or any of those other adjectives or the custom field be classified as other in their demographic data. So it might not be that messy. It might just be that anyone can type anything they want, but when it goes into the database, it gets signified as a ID of other. So they, they have, they still have three, they might still have three categories, and I don't know this, but they might still have three categories, male, female, and other. So their data might still be relatively relevant. I mean, knowing Google, they're a bunch of smart engineers. Yep. If this, I mean, definitely. <laughs> and if, and honestly, if even if they don't, and they messed up their whole demographic data, it's better PR for them to do it this way, and maybe not have the, that point of of data, than for them to get that one point of data, 
where, and honestly, beforehand, most for the, for the longest time, you had to do male, female, or other. So they already have that in the system. Now, now, if you want to say that I'm a three-eyed, toed, you know, eyed and four-toed alien, sorry, I really, you know, not coming up with good analogies here, so I apologize. But if you want to identify as transgender or any others, you can do that now. But Google already knows that you were, you that you are technically, biologically, a male. So there's a number of different ways to go about the cross. cross yeah, um, exactly. Colonization of data. And I think the other thing that's going to happen is this is going to apply to such a small percentage of users, yeah. um, li probably less than 1% who actually uh, go forth with this. Um, there's probably just as many people who are trying to be creative and snarky as there are that actually want to really mess with this gender issue. Um, so I don't think it's going to really move the needle that much to have Google do that. And I agree with you. Press is good. And right now, Google Plus needs some good press because it doesn't have a lot of people using it. It has a lot of people saying, oh, Google Plus, yeah, that's that other thing. It's not, it doesn't have the kind of uh, activity level that you would see on Facebook um, or on Twitter or, as a segue to our next story, on Instagram. Instagram, Instagram absolutely. So, Howard, did you know that Instagram has 300 million users? And full disclosure, not disclosure, but Instagram is owned by Facebook, but they're completely separate. Uh, 300 million users, and it's now bigger than Twitter. Well, the bit yes, I did, and the big thing to know is it's 300 million active users. So they have uh, this is something that Facebook has always done. They don't report on the number of accounts or profiles; mm -hmm. they report on activity. And they're doing the same thing with Instagram, and that's a really big, big metric. Mm -hmm. um, and I look at it this way. If a picture is worth a thousand words, then that's at least ten times better than the 140 characters that you get on Twitter. Um, the one thing that you know, when Instagram first started, I really, really wish that uh, it it was. Uh, it's almost like your real estate could have been the same as Twitter. A lot of people could sign up for that, and they did that. But uh, um, Instagram, I kind of wish that they had said, "Hey, there's already a Twitter user with this account," because there's some people who have. Um, mm -hmm, me, uh, yeah, I'm 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 Seth, Seth Goldstein on Twitter, but I'm right. at, I'm, at, I'm at Philly Codehound on Instagram. Exactly. And Seth on Twitter is Seth Goldstein on Instagram. Exactly. So you have these things where um, there isn't that parity. The downside of that is if you post something on Instagram and you want to use that at mention or that at reply that you can do, it doesn't translate if you automatically have it go to Twitter. You have this different profile thing. That said, I think the conversation on Instagram can be different. It's closer than uh, – the Instagram conversation is closer to Twitter than Facebook is. Um, but I really like the fact that um, when you're posting stuff on Instagram, you do get more than the real estate to work with. And um, that definitely – you know, it makes a difference. I think Instagram's much easier for people to understand. When they look at Instagram, they see a picture and a comment. Every com every post is a picture and a comment. Where when you look at a, a Twitter feed, every post is a few words, a hashtag, a link, maybe a picture in line, maybe like it's it is very, very jumbled. Mm -hmm. Instagram's very easy to show someone, have them use it, they get it. They don't Absolutely. you know, they don't have that initial response that says, Well, I don't want to post about my breakfast or I don't want to post about this thing or who cares that you're losing a parking spot. They don't they don't have that response to Instagram, which they do with Twitter. And I think what you're seeing now is 
the way that Facebook makes it easy, they integrate it. When you post something on Instagram and it cross posts to Facebook, mm -hmm. they link those things. They make it easy for you to tie those things together. Um, so I think what you're seeing is the result of some smart planning from, and uh, you know, their Facebook's all-time all goal has been to beat Twitter and make sure that they do real-time well, and Instagram might be that here's our real-time. Absolutely. I, I'm a firm believer. I mean, I, I really like Instagram, and also I really like how you can use Instagram with if, if this, then that, which is also, yes. I did one of those with, on a screencast session, where I, every time I like or, you know, heart a, a photo, it's not mine, but I want to keep it, you know, I want them to say, these are, this is my feed, I have it go over to my Instagram um, blog at SethGolstein.co, and literally I just post, you know, Instagram videos, uh, pictures over there that I like. And it's, so it keeps me active on Tumblr as well. That's where that is. And it just says, look what I found on Instagram. I really like this. What do you think? You know, it's, it's not, and also my photos go up on Instagram, on my Tumblr blog as well from Instagram. But it's mostly, it's a feed. And I have a, I have a hashtag saying photos I like. So it's, I, I don't take credit for other people's photos. I just say these are photos I found on Instagram. These are photos I'm curating. That I think are really worth seeing, and people then follow me on Tumblr to see what things I'm seeing on on Instagram. It's just another way of using the network. So definitely. So anyhow, let's thank our first sponsor, Wistia. Wistia is a video hosting and analytics platform that helps businesses get the most out of online video. We use it here at PhillyTech.org because it's way more professional than YouTube, um, and the data Wistia provides helps us understand exactly how it how our content is being consumed. Also, Wistia has a lot of um, free resources, which is very helpful on how to do a proper video, how to edit your video, how to upload and use that analytics package properly. Also, they have a um, free version of their service. They can hold up to 50 videos. So check them out at wistia.com. It's W-I-S-T-I-A.com. The product's awesome, and the learning resources are very helpful. And most of importantly, the team over there are full of genuinely great folks. And I'm, you know, I, I did an interview on the interview show with, with Ezra from Wistia. And check that out. I think it was episode four or five of the interview show. Very interesting company. Um, they have, what I've noticed in the whole video hosting area, you have Vidler, which is completely business-oriented. They don't have a free account, and that's more for inline comments in the videos. You have Vimeo, that's more for creators and whatnot. You have YouTube, which is it, which is the public. It's the, it's the mob. It's the... Um, I'm trying to think of the French word. The pro, is, that the, is it the proletariat? Uh, I, I would be lost. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's the masses. It's the public. And then you have Wistia, which is really the business area, a business solution for video hosting analytics where you can actually see where people dropped off in your video. Also, the thing is if you're using YouTube in your, on your business page, oftentimes when you post it in there, there's your competitors that show up in the post role. You don't want that. Wistia doesn't put post roll in unless you put your own post roll in. And there's a lot of lead capture elements that you can hook up to your email service provider. Anyhow, enough about Wistia, but they're a great company. I love them. They host our videos, and we are very thankful. And you can also host podcasts on there, and they give you an RSS feed. So that's what we're using over here. So, Howard, are you using the call to action button that's new on Facebook? I am not using them yet. I'm actually uh, right now for myself and for some of my clients, I'm sort of looking around, seeing how people are using it, just getting some ideas. 
I love the fact that Facebook is starting to provide these extra features for page owners. Um, I think it's awesome. I have one that says um, sign up for our new newsletter for on the phillytech.org. Facebook.com says phillytech.org. So if you want to check it out, it, it takes you right to the sign up page. The, uh, these kinds of things, um, basic innovations, it's um, si relatively simple to use. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to using them more, to trying different things. Um, and you know what? When someone has a page, when you first land on that page, it's kind of like, okay, what do I do now? What is the latest post? Um, so that in combination with a pinned post, it can really kind of let the page owner control the experience so that when they go like that page or they go visit that page, you know, it's not necessarily about do you like this page, it's hey, do you want to engage with them in some way? What are the things that you want to do? So I, I do like it. I think it's a good thing. Um, I, I'm glad that they're doing it. I, I keep, every time Facebook launches a new thing for business pages, um, they've thought it out. So this is one that definitely shows some of that thought and, uh, you know, have at it. Keep going. It's good because it's good to see Facebook thinking things through for once because oftentimes they don't think things through. They break things and then they fix it later and apologize later. On the Facebook as a whole with the privacy settings, we can get into all that some other time. But um, what I like about it is that it, it's, it kind of it makes up for the fact that your post reach, your free post reach isn't going that far now. Which, you know, how, obviously Howard you know, is a very firm believer of you pay for, you get what you pay for. I'm starting to come around to that, but being you know, a small upstart here, you know, $10 a day is still a lot of money. So Definitely. I'd love to have $10 a day sitting in my pocket. Exactly. Get coffee, get some scones, and whatever. But the thing is, this is a freebie for right now, and I w what I would like to see is a custom call to action feature where you can actually add your own custom call to action link there. Because, I mean, on phillytech.org, I would say visit the website. Not necessarily sign up for our newsletter, because I already have an AWeber integration, to the newsletter already in the site. So I really don't need a sign-up button up there, but all the others kind of didn't make sense for Philly Tech Org, so anyhow. Exactly. And I think, you know, Facebook has shown that the reason they've narrowed it down to a certain number of choices mm -hmm. is they probably want to avoid people putting things that are deceptive. Um, they want to mm -hmm. say, look, if you click this button and it isn't what you clicked, we need a mechanism to report that. We want to prevent people from... Um, putting in custom links and things like that to stuff that is going to make them think that it was Facebook that was endorsing it. So I understand that's the very true. Yeah. Um, I like that they're controlling it, and I like that they have some options. It's a good set of options. It's not perfect. Um, it would be nice if you could, uh, I'll call it, suggest one or have a custom one approved by Facebook. Yes, uh, I like that. Yeah. Think, like, when you submit an ad to Facebook, there is a team there that's reviewing your ad to make sure that you're not being deceptive and things like that. Um, at some point, maybe these custom buttons show up in that same way where it's like, oh, I want a custom button. You know what? I would be perfectly inclined to say custom buttons are a paid feature of Facebook. Oh, I pay for, I, I really pay a one-time fee. Yeah. I wouldn't say an ongoing fee, but I pay, I pay like 25 bucks, 30 bucks for a custom button up there. Yep, and my feeling is this, if it's a, whether it's a one-time fee, an ongoing fee, if it's a reasonable cost, if they said, hey, it's a dollar a month for a custom button, oh, hell yeah. no problem. If they said it's $100 a month for a custom button, it wouldn't be right for me. But for some businesses, like if you're Toyota, $100 a month, they would go, yeah, oh, we want sure. a custom That's button. Yeah, so yeah. I would say that uh, if they can design the product so that it's reasonable for us to say, we want to go beyond what you have here, 
there's a revenue source for Facebook, and some brands are going to say, too expensive, I don't want it, and some brands are going to go, yep, I want to do it. Um, but again, that's something where I get why they want to limit those choices. I think it's a good situation at this point, the fact that you have some extra call to action built into the page, and you know, we'll see what happens in another year and a half when that next iteration round comes through and you see it evolve to the next stage of it. Um, we have to kind of remember that Facebook does iterate these products and they do it very rapidly, but we don't really see it, the effects of it for a good six months, one year, oh, year and a half yeah. timeline. So we have to kind of accept the fact that we, we're not going to see good, useful data for a long time. And, you know, it's still fast innovation, just maybe not as fast as we want it. Absolutely. So let's move on to the next topic. I'm not sure there's really a segue for this, but... Um, <laughs> Um, there's a new social media charter that was launched to help banks avoid Twitter blunders. Um, so this is new guidelines which assist bankers to show with. Let me start over. <laughs> new guidelines with assist will assist bankers with how to use Twitter and other social network sites. Have has launched this week in association with the Financial Conduct Authority, led by the financial relations firm Templar Communications. In consult, what anyhow. Anyhow, the social media guys are starting to read it officially, but anyhow. Well, essentially what it is, is they've released these guidelines for banks to use Twitter, which I mean, and they're a regulated industry, but use Twitter and not break the rules, not break the law, and do it correctly. I think it's a great thing because, honestly, there's been a lot of blunders of, you know, I mean, especially, I mean, I, used to, I came out of the pharma world for social media for a while there. I worked in pharma and social media. And that's another very regulated industry that they're still trying to figure out how to use social media. Guidelines are good to a point when you can actually say, this is what's okay. This is not what's okay. Do yep. not do this. Do I, this. I would say it's, it's really, really simple, and that is cover your uh, efforts or whatever. It is a definite great big CYA for the industry. Um, as far as I'm concerned, these things are long overdue. The fact that it's mm -hmm. taken this long for the for banks um, to understand that this is communication. Um, I wish that what they did was integrate this into their communication policies. Just it's part of how we communicate. It's still separate. Over time, they'll all get integrated together. So it's good to see them making these moves. But um, look, they regulate communications that are written communications. Twitter is a written communication. It is a digitally published version. So if they're not giving people, uh, you know, their own employees, their own people who they regulate, if they're not giving them the standards, then they're going to say, well, you didn't tell us how we're supposed to use Twitter, so this is a giant uh, CYA for the industry, but it's good that they're doing it. It is uh, a, a necessary step. And this has actually been talked about in pharma a lot as well, that like because there's all these like disclosures and you know make sure that you do fair and balanced saying hey this can cure your cancer but it can also kill you I love the, I love the fair and balanced in commercials like this is this will get rid of your diabetic nerve pain oh but it may also give you cancer or or hay fever or give you you know the measles or mumps or whatever the heck it is but that's what they're doing in pharma and they're also doing this in the financial world and I feel like that is a big spot for social to really come to its own and really be used. I would love to be able to, you know, rank my local branch of my bank saying, hey, why did my check bounce? And then immediately go into DM with them and continue on with the conversation. You know, or or not even, even that, that much. Just say, hey, we have a fixed rate APR, you know, blah, 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 blah. 
about, you know, but have them be able to put it out there and not get in trouble for it. Because honestly, if I'm following a bank, maybe I'm looking for home loans. I can make a whole Twitter list of the banks around my area and follow them based on their, you know, their... I only have to follow them. I can just add them to the list and not follow them so they don't right. clear up my home screen and just make sure I'm following what their, their rates are. And I think it's a wonderful way of doing it. You know, it's a, this is the way people are communicating now. I, I mean, Howard, do you use your phone? Do you actually call people? Uh, rarely. My the funny thing is when my phone rings, I usually look at it and I'm I say, why are they calling me? I don't have a problem talking with people on the phone, but you know my mobile phone is it, it's a very personal device. I don't like people calling it unless there's a really great reason. You need to talk to me right now. When my wife calls it, no problem. I need to talk to her right now. I look at things like Twitter and Facebook, and this is. Um, Mm -hmm. Real-time communication, except that it doesn't demand the instant one second you have to respond. When you're on a phone call, you are talking in real time. Twitter slows that down a little bit. Text messaging slows that down a little bit. So, you know, I don't need, if I am, uh, you know, if I want to look up things for a bank or look up things for uh, different industries, I don't need instant two-second response. If that's no. what I need, I'm not going to use Twitter for that. You call them. You call them and I'll say, call, hey, I need exactly. S, Y, and C. I mean, what exactly. I know is, I, honestly, it's weird because I leave long voicemails. I'm one of those people that, you know, I like to tell the whole message on the voicemail. It's bad, and I know I've got to stop doing it. But um, I also hate getting voicemails. Like, my wife will call me and she'll say, hey, call me back. I'm like, why did you just waste three more seconds of my time? You know, I see you called. I'm going to call you back. Or my mom calls, say, yeah. hi, dear. We're, you know, just checking in, seeing how the little man's doing, you know, how, how your son's doing, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, I love you, Mom. You're wonderful. But, you know, text me. But then again, I don't even like text messages because I feel like I feel obligated to respond right then. So it's that. And then I also have to type on the tiny little keyboard, and it never protects my words correctly. So there's no real way of doing it. So everyone's still allowed to leave me voicemails. I'll still grumble about the voicemails. But this has been a tangent. Let's move along. I, I didn't <laughs> notice the tangent part. So banks, Twitter, <laughs> doing communication, good. Uh, okay, next up. the voicemail. Now, let's take a quick break to thank our next sponsor. Flywheel is a managed WordPress hosting platform. We use them here. We love them. We move from another host to them, and it's and our website up exponentially. It, is like, it was like night and day. We move from a VPS to their VPS, and it's snappy. If they say Flywheel, it is flying our new website. Yes, that pun was intended. Flywheel makes it simple to build, launch, and manage client sites with easy-to-use dashboards built from the ground up with modern web designers in mind. The back at your website manually, the back of your site nightly, excuse, excuse me, and the blazing, blazing fast load times. It's specifically for WordPress, and they make sure that your site is secure, and, you know, it's great. So Flywheel helps thousands of designers from across the world launch projects every day. So check them out. I use them for my, uh, my agency. We use it exclusively. We will use them for everybody. Put them on Flywheel. You can pay monthly. You can pay, pay yearly. They're, they're not too expensive. And for designers, which is great, they enable enables you to, I mean, I mean, I know, Howard, I know you probably know this as well, that um, oftentimes clients will bug you to talk to the, their hosts for them. So why not, you know, do it through you and then, then upcharge a little bit to cover your costs of the, the consultation with the clients? That's what Flywheel lets you do. Excellent. All right, let's move on. So dark social. 
Dark what social. Is dark, what is dark social? Maybe you All right. can probably so think again. about it this way. Dark social, and I don't want to throw an age thing here, um, yeah. although the story sort of talks about that. Think about dark social as some, you're looking at a link, and instead of using the little sharing buttons on the side or on the bottom, you're actually copying and pasting the link and emailing it to someone or sending a direct message to someone. You're basically saying, here's the link. So it's not a social sharing, but it's more of that traditional, I'm going to forward someone this message, I'm going to forward an email to someone. It's um, not trackable. It's, it's not trackable except to say that, hey, we're tracking the fact that this sharing is happening outside of the traditional methods. And here's the thing. It's huge. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of thing where the study that we're looking at says that you know 93% of internet users have done it that way. Mm -hmm. So we've all um, done it. Even if we mostly yeah. like, we're in the industry, most of us will find ourselves clicking the, the tweet, uh, the tweet this button. I I know plenty of times when I'm talking to my mom and I want to send her a tweet saying, "Hey, check it, check this link out." I'll either copy the link and paste it in. I'll go to the website, read it, then copy the link and paste it to her. Every once in a while, I'll I'll use a you know the share button, but most of the time for like my mom who's not on Twitter, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a dark social post. It, I think it's also interesting when I was looking at this story. What occurred to me was the number of times I want to share something to one very specific person or to a small collection of people, and. Yes, you can tag people in a Facebook post or you can mention someone in a tweet. You can do things to get their attention, but sometimes what I want to do is get is make sure that no one else sees it. Not that I wouldn't share it with them, but I don't want to disturb them. It's not about them. Um, it's that whole thing where if everybody always sees, oh, Howard's sharing this thing, hundreds and hundreds of things, I might share 20 different things throughout the day, but really only two or three of them might be useful to the at large, where some other things are very specific. This is for my wife. This is for my friend. This is for a client. So dark social is a really clean way to do it without disturbing anyone. So it's really a, uh, um, it's a great way. And you know what? I, the fact that we're tracking these things, that people are looking at it saying, it's worth it for people to forward an email, uh, forward the link that way. Um, it's, it's, hard, it's hard, but it's hard to track for marketers. It it, it takes the, the when you click the tweet. Like I just I just tweeted this out on the tech underscore org Twitter account. I hit the tweet button, so that was a clear tweet, and it tracked me. If I copy this and send it to my mom, I don't know why I send this mess, this to my mom because I don't think she's really interested in it. Anyhow, um, <laughs> tangent, um, but it would not be trackable per se as much as it would be. If she clicked on it, it would be a visit from in Google Analytics versus, oh, Seth found this on Twitter. He then shared it via email to his mom, who then went to it via by clicking on the link in the email. It's less, it's it's, it's a little bit more of a roundabout approach. They can see that my mom went to the post via email client, but they don't see how she found out about it first. So there's a, there's some breaking in the whole in the whole track. Well, you know what? When I think about tracking marketing, um, we're spoiled on the internet because we can basically pinpoint almost everything. Mm -hmm. 30 years ago, marketers didn't have any kind of data like this. What did they have? They used distinct phone numbers. Hey, we know that they we're still getting... Know. They still do because it's they, they work, but when you think about trying to measure certain things, 
it is really hard to measure that someone called this phone number after they saw an ad in a magazine three times, five times, ten times. What they know is they called this phone number. That means they saw this ad in a magazine. They don't know if they also saw a TV commercial. They don't know if they also saw um, a, Google, a Google ad. They don't have that data. We have a lot of data. We're able to see things like, oh, this particular person probably clicked on their links a bunch of times. They're a fan from Facebook. They, we have some really great data. So the fact that not all of our data is wonderful, I say we just got to get over it. Um, yeah, we're measuring it. We're tracking the fact that, hey, we have people that we can't quite track effectively. We know they came from a link, and that link was, was whether it was an email or whatever, we don't have any tracking data on that link, so it comes through on Google Analytics as that no referrer. Um, I hate I'm that. that. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is, yeah, I look at it and go, well, I don't really know where that's coming from, but it is still someone visiting. It is someone that is directed to it, and I just look at it this way. If the reason that it's showing up is because one of my loyal fans shared something privately, I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. um, it's you know it's what you got to do. Okay, let's move on to the next topic. Um, by the way, all Twitter, mediabeaster.com/all Twitter is getting a lot of our press. Today. I found a lot of good articles in there. So if you want to see a good resource, all Twitter, the unofficial Twitter resource at mediabeaster.com/all Twitter. It's well, it's a very well written site, very worth checking out. So. Free plug for them. But um, Twitter users watch more TV, YouTube, Netflix, and all other digital video than non-Twitter users. Can you believe that? I can. Because I, I know that a lot of people tweet about what they're watching. But can you I mean, what do you think about this, Howard? I'm well, kind of like, I've always felt like one of the things that uh, Twitter has won with is the, is the hashtag. And, you know, if you are watching a live television show... Um, the TV stations, the networks are using hashtags and expecting people to use uh, Twitter for that real-time conversation. Um, I will admit, I am a longtime Survivor user, and I love oh, the fact that during Survivor man. episodes, the hashtags and uh, the hosts and the different people that were on the show are live on Twitter mm -hmm. responding in real time. I have to say, it makes me want to watch the show live in real time because if I want to have some fun with it, I can be on Twitter, watch the show, do it in real time. Second screen people, it, yeah. Exactly, that's second screen. I know people do it with Dancing with the Stars and The Voice and all the different shows like that where the real-time aspect really matters. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a great way to find a community, and you know what? If people on Twitter are tweeting about what they are watching and finding the communities of the shows that they watch that way, I think that's great. It is one of the things that makes Twitter a very, very unique platform. Um, it is something that Facebook isn't quite that good at. Um, they just they don't quite get it yet. I think they have tools that could probably be pretty awesome. I am sure that they are working on that real-time experience because I've seen them. They're uh, trying. They're, they're, trying. They're, they're trying stuff. But um, the nice thing about Twitter is the tweets go away. We're on Facebook. They're the there. Bubble back up again. So if a post gets popular for the next three days, you know, you'll see, mm -hmm. oh, there's you know, instead of it's five comments or ten comments, that post is going to keep bubbling back up. We're on Twitter, that post is going to be three days old, and you're just not going to see it anymore. So, and it's kind of forty characters versus yes. you know unlimited amount of characters. I feel like the brevity—that's the right word—brevity. Yes. You have to really watch what you quickly say, and you can't. I mean, other than some people will do continue, and then they'll continue in the next post or use a tweet longer application to tweet longer, but they still won't write a book. 
Because the thing is, when you're watching in real time, you're, you're saying, oh, that was great. Oh, oh, I can't believe he was voted off. Like, that's under 140 characters. It's like having a conversation. You're at a party. Like, Twitter has been talked about as being like you're at a cocktail party. You're talking about Survivor in a cocktail Survivor party, you know? Right. And, and here's the thing. I'm pretty sure that in, if I talk about uh, tonight is the Survivor finale, so I'm all ready to go. I'm, like, Woo! ready to tweet. Um, if I talk about Survivor on Twitter tonight, tomorrow that's not going to be the subject of my Twitter feed. Where if I talk about those same things on Facebook, if there's a lot of comments back and forth during the show, that post is going to live for three, four days easily. Where my mom's going to see it on Friday, even though today's Wednesday, she'll see those posts and go, oh, I guess it must have been fun. Like, it, it's it's the kind of thing where, and we keep huh. referring to our moms as that metric for uh, social media. I'm not sure my why. Mom, my mom's going to call me up after the show saying, why are you picking on me? Right, exactly. Um so I'm not picking on you, Seth's mom. Sorry. Uh, I'll, I'll pick on my own mom. I'm not really picking on her, but Facebook is going to surface that post to the more casual user, the person that's not on it all the time, because it was a popular post. It was interacted with. Facebook's going to go, oh, there was a lot of interaction. This must be important, because it's not going to know, oh, well, the show's over, so we can ignore it now. Twitter, just by the way that it works, the show's over. The show is now 12 hours old. Therefore, the posts on Twitter are 12 hours old. They don't surface because they are 12 hours old. Absolutely. Totally true. So anyhow, um, what Twitter needs to be worried about is that Instagram is getting very good at news. And and this should scare Twitter because Twitter is, what well, essentially, when there's a news event, people go to Twitter. I actually noticed there's this whole horrible... Um, um, shooter spree, you know, some guy went on a rampage in Montgomery County, and I actually found out Facebook was actually pretty good in a, in, a, in the closed dual town group for staying in touch with each other about what's going on during this situation. But apparently Instagram is getting great with this, because I mean, when you think about the news, you have a blurb at the bottom saying what the news is about, and then you can write a nice long paragraph, and then you have a visual. Whereas Twitter is just 140 characters, maybe inline post at the bottom, video at the bottom, or image at the bottom, but um, Instagram really is taking over the news stream from Twitter, and I think Twitter should be afraid. What do you think? Um, I agree. Twitter's uh, big success has always been that real time. So, you know, I, I remember at one point I was, uh, I was in Southern California, and there, was an earth, and there was an earthquake. It was a small earthquake, but it was like all of a sudden on Twitter it was like, was there an earthquake? Um, there was actually an earthquake in South Jersey, and I remember mm -hmm. looking on Twitter, and all these posts were like, "What the hell was that? Was that an earthquake?" Tweets before, the, yep. before the earthquake hit, Twitter was talking about the earthquake. Exactly. I read actually when that happened, I read earthquake, and I felt a little rumble. I'm like, "Oh, well, that's pretty cool." It's, it's so kind of weird, you know. Like, oh. And for a long time, Twitter has done that very, very well. Something that Facebook hasn't done very well. And remember, Facebook owns Instagram, so if Instagram is starting to do that real-time news very, very well, mm -hmm. there is concern for Twitter. Um, you know, if it's the users, if you're getting more users that are active on Instagram than on Twitter, then the news is going to follow it too because, again, it's that activity. You have active mm -hmm. people using a network. They're going to tweet about what they want to tweet about. Well, they're going to Instagram about whatever is on their mind. And you know what? I said it before. A picture is worth a thousand words. Tweets only 140 characters. That's why Instagram is gonna 
eat their lunch. It's an easy publishing platform that is fast and simple. Um, the one thing that Instagram is missing, and you can do it in third-party apps, Instagram is missing retweets. It is missing the, I want this post to go in my feed. You know what? That is an engineering task that is waiting to happen. We're going to see that. I am sure we're going to see the retweet or the oh, instant or the, the regram. Um, we're going to see that. My guess is within the next six months, we are going to see Instagram regramming posts where it shows up very much. Uh, you know, you won't need a third-party app to do it. Um, uh, it's a natural out. Uh, you know, it's a natural outpouring uh, of that uh, of good news thing. Uh, mm -hmm. You just repost that. Uh, that picture, put it in everyone else's newsfeed. Um, yeah, but one, thing I've, one thing I've noticed about Twitter that I like is that you're not required to put visual in, a visual in. So I mean, like if you're experiencing something, but you're not at a place where you can get a visual of it, or, or you're trying not to get yourself shot, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, you're gonna tweet it. I think I feel like Twitter should be scared, but I don't think they're gonna go away. I think Twitter has its place for it. But during this, this this whole shooting spree over Monco, and they actually thought it was in Doylestown for a while, which is where I live. Um, I found that you know Facebook was a great place. I actually found that Twitter was not even that good because I feel like there wasn't a community around it to all concerned citizens. It was just saying this is what's going on, this is what's going on, this is what's going on. Whereas on Facebook, it was in a closed group. We were all listening to the police scanner. We're all saying, all right, this is what's going on. This is where things are. And, I mean, there's a lot of people saying, oh, you know, you're giving away the location. And I keep on saying, guys, this is a closed group. It's a closed group. The shooter's not in this group. And if he is, you know, admins, please take him out of this group so we can talk about where the police are right now. But, I mean, but I felt I felt like there, there's a place for each one of these communities. Facebook is great for when you want to talk in a community, a specific area. I feel like and Google Plus, for some reason, has some of that, too, with their communities area as well, Facebook groups and, and Google Plus communities. I feel like Twitter is more like if you're in the event, it's real quick, you know, this is what I heard, this is what I heard, this is what I heard, but it's not, but it's all public, whereas the, you know, Facebook can be private a little bit more, so could Google Plus. And I feel like Instagram is great for visuals, but it does have that lacking of, I don't have a visual, but I have some news. So I feel like they're, they're not all going to one out of business, but I think they all have their, their, the usability Issues and their usability pluses. So, yeah, and that's. I think that's something where you look at the different platforms, you look at what they're good at, mm -hmm. and Instagram's going to be really good at um, resurfacing major media events Absolutely. that are happening. Where it's going to be, it's not going to be as good as I just felt an earthquake. Did anyone else feel that? It will be good where someone says, oh, here is a screen capture of the National Weather Service's thing, and I'm putting that on my Instagram feed, mm -hmm. and that's what's going to happen. But again, Instagram's a really easy publishing platform, and it's this is one of those things. When you think about how a user uses it, how do you teach them? What do they have to do? Um, Instagram is, I've actually always said, Instagram's a great... Uh, training social network. If you have someone who's confused about how to use social networks, Instagram's Instagram. a fabulous teaching tool because how do you post on it? You create a picture, you make a comment. That's it. You can be very, very specific with it. You can learn the advanced things where you mention someone or you tag someone in the picture. That's another tool that gets the concept of mm -hmm. tagging. Instagram's really a great teaching tool. Um, I can tell you, I actually use Instagram to teach my kids about the social networks. 
I don't let them have a private account. I want them to have a public account. I want them to understand this is public content. Instagram's a great place for it. They don't have to put up pictures of themselves. They can. They understand it. Oh, this was a picture of you. Do you really want that out there? Oh, well, maybe I don't. Okay, well, your posts are public. Oh, maybe I should make them private. Well, now your friends can't find it. It's a great place for that conversation. So let's jump to our sponsors here. Yes, let's jump into our sponsor. A Weber is a local... <laughs> Oh, you hear there? Excuse me. Yeah, I'm dying on here. Yeah, A Weber is a local is a local email service provider based in the Philadelphia region, up in Shelfon, Pennsylvania. They've been in business for 16 years. They help entrepreneurs, agencies, and small businesses connect with their customers through email marketing. A Weber is more than just an easy-to-use email marketing platform. It allows customers to integrate with blog platforms, social networks, landing page generators, and other tool sets to succeed in digital marketing. It has an easy user interface, strong deliverability, and relevant integrations. And they have great customer service as well, so that's a good reason to use them. They also have some great mobile apps that make it really easy to sign people up on the go. Um, and you can actually get them, get to try them out for $1 for the first month by going to aweber.com slash phillytech. That's aweber.com slash phillytech, all one word, all one URL. In this spaces for one dollar. So check them out today, and we thank them for being a sponsor of the Social Hour and the Social Hour. Not the Social Hour. That's a different show. Um, the Social Media Addicts Podcast and the TechFoyTech.org Netcast Network. So let's move on to the last few stories of the day, and we'll get to our picks of the week, and we'll let everyone go home or go back to work, or let Howard go take a nap. <laughs> of course, I think he's just going to drink coffee. So. Probably. So, Mark Zuckerberg did a Q&A, and some of the things he discussed was a dislike button, which I think is would be useful. Ferguson, graph search, newsfeed study controversy. So, you know, most of us, of us know about the Facebook controversy where they discussed, where they kind of messed around with their stream to play with their emotions. But what I think is the most interesting thing is the dislike button. I find a lot of times I want to, like, say I agree or... I, I, I want to interact with the post in a very easy way, but it might be something like, you know, child slavery. If someone found a good article on child slavery in the U.S., God forbid, I want to like that because that's not something I want to like. But I want to say I dislike that, but I acknowledge that this was a good post. I want to say that I want to acknowledge it in some way, you know? Yeah, this is something where I actually – Google got this right in Google+. The concept of the plus one is a give the I am giving this attention. Now it doesn't say like, it doesn't say dislike. It just says I am in You're agreement. Fine. I am I am I want this to go bigger than it is. Um, the the, the whole debate, the yeah, yeah, exactly. The whole debate of the dislike button on Facebook. I know why they didn't do it, and they didn't do it because they didn't want to have the um, kind of the whole angry dig effect where on the original dig network where people were burying posts and trying trying to effectively dislike things to uh, you know to vote them down so to speak and they didn't want that trolling effect where people were going to be um, yelling back and forth it's almost like by making it so that you have to like it you prevent people from having I don't you don't prevent it but you, you maybe you thwart it just a little bit from having really really crazy debates over just liking a post um, that said, someone's father passes away, someone's relative passes away, and they put that on Facebook. Clicking like 
is the wrong button. Hey, someone goes, I'm very sad after a long bout with cancer. My father has succumbed to such as you know to this death, and you know funeral services are on Sunday. Um, you want to acknowledge it. There should be an yeah, acknowledge button, and yeah. not a dislike button, an acknowledge button, yeah. or a hat tip button. Maybe yes. a whole plethora of buttons. You can have a dislike button, a plethora button, you know, not plethora button, a dislike button, a like button, a acknowledge button, a recommend button, you know. They yeah. have a recommend button. They have a recommend button. They changed the name light to recommend on websites. The, so you just recommend this post. Yeah, the thing that I look at on this is the original poster is going to have to have some control over what buttons are available. Um, you've got to deal with an interface element of how do I... Uh, set that up, you know, how does people going to even know? Um, I understand why they don't have the different uh, variations yet. Um, I do agree, hey, when there's a post, you can just post a comment. This is something that he talked, that Zuckerberg talked about in his Q&A. You don't have to click like, you can comment on it. Um, but sometimes the comments feel empty or repetitive. I'm so sorry so, for your loss, I'm so sorry for I'm your so loss. I'm so sorry for your loss, I'm so sorry for your loss. And it's it, it's the kind of thing where if I have that, oh, all I'm doing is just copying and pasting, I'm so sorry for your loss, I'd almost like a button that says, sorry for your loss. Or, um, you know, I don't want to dislike it, but I acknowledge it. I, I know why it's a tricky thing. Um, it's why I like Plus One. I think Plus One's the best thing that came out of Google Plus, that it's a just a little, you know, a ping to the universe that is I agree. and um, Agree or something know, like that, yeah. Yeah. So let's move along. Um, next story is Facebook satire attack could wipe out the internet's terrible hoax news industry, like the Onion and whatnot. I know I've actually spread some of these. I've actually fallen for it. Where you know, the, maybe not the Onion, but these other ones that I don't necessarily know about, say something like almost believable, and I'll say, "Oh, did you hear about this?" And they're like, "Someone says Seth, that's a hoax." Yep. Or Seth, that's a, that's a satirical. Um, site. So, I mean, I, <coughs> I have, I'm, I'm not sure what I think about it. I think that, yeah, labeling satire would be good, but I think also it's kind of fun when you can kind of spoof it a little bit. What do you think, Howard? Well, the, uh, the thing that's very interesting about this to me is the moment they start um, editorializing content, they're putting themselves in a really interesting position as a publisher they are effectively neutral when they don't change the content. Adding the satire tag means they are adding editorial remarks. They are now, I don't want to say part of the, the situation, but they are no longer a common carrier, so to speak. Right mm -hmm. now, you know, when, when I post a link on Facebook, I could put satire in there. Um, I could give myself the option of saying, I want to mark this as this is funny, this is a joke. The, again, same thing with the different buttons that we were talking about. But when the pub, when the original person posting it has those uh, options to work with, great. But the moment that Facebook starts saying, oh, we think that this is a joke, well, maybe the original poster didn't. Maybe that's not what they were going for. Or is every post from Comedy Central or from the Colbert Report going to be marked as satire? Well, now that's kind of not going to necessarily work or it won't be the fun thing. So there's a part of me that says, oh, I get why they're doing that because I'm tired of saying to someone, hey, guys, it's not actually news. Stop ranting about it being actually news. Um, 
So I don't necessarily need Facebook to be the editor on that, but I mm -hmm. understand why uh, to, they yeah. would do that. But it does, it's a, uh, I hate using the term slippery slope, but it is a very slippery slope once they start injecting their opinion onto public posts or uh, per, the posts done by a person, the shares done by a person. Um, that public opinion is uh, definitely something where it, it becomes their content as opposed to um, the individual's content that just bubbles up. So Absolutely. I totally agree, and I, I agree that it should be up to the person to write satire, or maybe if it bubbles up too much, as this is truth, maybe then Facebook comes in and says, Satire, satire, sat you know, satire, guys. This is fake. You know, whatever. Or they link to the what's it, what's it called? What is that? Um, Scopes. Snopes. Uh, Snopes. Yeah. Snopes. Snopes. And said, hey, this is a hoax. You know, whatever. You know, it's just something to think about. Um, let's wrap this up and let's go on to our picks of the week. But first, let's thank our last sponsor of the day, Zoho Mail. They are a professional email for your business. The alternative to Google Apps. You can actually use your domain name. You know, so it's your name at yourdomainname.com and it white label it so that it looks professional. Um, it's professional email built and designed for businesses. It's low cost and and it has lots of business class features and security. So let's move along onto the picks. Howard, what is your pick for this week? Well, going along with the theme of Instagram becoming very, very popular and being very good with news, my pick this week is a Instagram account called 15 Sec Tech. And it's uh you can actually find what they're doing at fifteen uh the number fifteen s e c t e c h dot com fifteen sectech dot com and their Instagram account which is fifteen sectech um, these are little tiny uh, news stories marketing tips reviews and it's done by uh, some uh, great people in the industry uh, specifically Amber Mack who's a longtime tech reporter as well as Jeff MacArthur and Laura Killian. Again, it's using Instagram to actually publish news in 15-second bites. And they're really good. Amber, Amber used to be on the social hour before it was canceled on the Twit Network, and she did Command N. She's, she's been very big up in Canada on uh, Call for Help and whatnot. So she's been a tech reporter for a while, and her brother Jeff MacArthur and his wife, Lara, they're all kind of all in the family there. They all, they all have their own digital agency. I think it's Connect Now with a K. But... Um, this is a great way. It shows how you can use Instagram's 15-second video for news, and shows how Twitter should be a little bit wary that this is Instagram's play because you can actually do video. Exactly. Um, I like it. It's a nice little bite-sized thing. It shows up in my Instagram feed. Um, let me. Uh, I'll do my little uh, screen share here so you can see. Uh, you know. Let's share that out there so you can now all see. Um, this is sort of a you know a great little thing here. You're seeing on their website the different stories that they're posting. Again, very very short. Um, they do the weekly recap, which is actually longer than 15 seconds. So this is their YouTube channel. Um, these little videos end up being a few minutes long, about three or four minutes long. Um, but it's a nice way to just quickly get a story or two. It's uh, actually awesome. something just. Did something just post? No, uh, just the nature of what's going on on the screen. Mm -hmm. I, I like what they're doing. It's a great account to follow. Again, if you go to 15sectech.com, you can go from there. You can go on Instagram, Instagram Instagram.com slash 15sectech. Um, go give them a follow. Absolutely. You can like them on Facebook. They get, you, know, you can like them all over the place. So you, it, they it's not just for Instagram, but it's using the Instagram version 
of video and like the, the format. So I think it's great. Um, and they're great people and they really know their stuff. So my picks of the week, I have to actually, I have, I have three picks actually. I mean, I'm really going above and above and beyond here. YouTube now has a built-in GIF maker. It's only on select accounts, but you can take like five seconds worth of a video and make it into a GIF. So if I do something funny on the show, you can make that into a GIF. So that's a quick one. On Google Plus, you can now add pin a post on the top of your personal page, which is which has always been available on business pages, but you can now do it on your personal page, which is great because I have managed to have like five or six Google Plus accounts. I only use one for personal use. And I have a bunch of business pages, but for some reason I have a bunch of Seth Goldstein accounts. And I only want them to use one. So I put maybe a pin on all the posts, pin the post. That's hard to say. I put a pin pin the post on each of those other profiles saying, hey, I'm not here. You can find me, you can find me here, 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 and here. And it actually helped. People started migrating across. It's just like Howard and his Howard Yermish account on Twitter. He right. said, no, 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 no. I'm over at H. Yermish on Twitter. So... It's, uh, that's a great one as well. Also, thinkup.com. We're going to have Gina Trapani and uh, Neil Dash, two really well-known people in the tech industry, talk about their on the interview show in, in a few weeks. Um, it's not going to come out probably until February because we have enough shows to go until February. But it's called thinkup.com. It's, it's analytics for Twitter and Facebook. I mentioned an add-on more. It really shows you how – let me see if I can pull it up here. You can go to Philly Tech – techorg.thinkup.com, and it gives you little tidbits about your account and what you're talking about, breakdown of the last last week's tweets. I, it's great. It's, it's five bucks a month, so it's a, it's a, and you, it's, there's a 30-day trial as well, so you can check it out over here. So, you know, Philly Tech's longest tweet streak of 2014 was 26 days. So sometimes the tweets flow like water, and you don't need and you don't need a day off. In 2014, at least October, Philly Tech Org's longest tweet streak was for 26 days, from November 2nd to November 20th, 27th. So 26 days, and it kind of gives you some in, insight into what you've been doing on the social network. So it's really neat to check out. It's thinkup.com. Check them out. Check us out at Philly Tech Org. You can find me at, at I think I'm Seth. I'm Seth.thinkup.com if you want to see what I've been tweeting about as well. So, And this has been a rather long but wonderful Social Media Addicts podcast, number 14. Episode entitled, 14. Entitled, He's Back, because oh. back. Last week's was the Yermish Effect. This week <laughs> is He's Back, and we love having Howard on the show. Uh, hopefully, Joey will be on the next show when she gets her dog show stuff in order, and she can be back on the show. Maybe we'll do. Maybe we'll do it. Have it. Um, I'm not gonna say threesome. You know, I just said threesome. But um, <laughs> we can have three people on the show, and we, all, all three of us can do the show together at some point as well. So, Howard, thank you for being on the show again. Where can people find you? Well, the simple thing is they can go to howardyermish.com. Um, I'm actually uh, I've got uh, you know a couple things going on specifically, and actually later today I have a webinar. Um, for my LinkedIn course that's happening at noon today. Um, this oh, is probably going to air after that. Yes. Um, but I have two more ver uh, sessions of that webinar. It's a free webinar um, in coming up in January. So if you go to howardyermish.com and you go over, you'll see a little button that says uh, the building, you know, building a strong network on LinkedIn. Click on that little webinar thing and you can register. Uh, I'd love to see you there. Um, but uh, yeah, just go to howardyermish.com. You can find all the links that you need right there. Or you can find them on Twitter at 
H. Yermish. Now, Howard Yermish, because he'll go, nah, 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 you know, wrong spot. So, Howard, thank you for stepping in again. We love you over here. He's now our official sub for the show, so you might see Howard pop in a bunch of times. So, anyhow, get on with your day. Try and stay awake, and we'll catch everybody next week. Sounds good. Thank you. Good day. Good day, people. Good day, good citizens. Night. Good afternoon. There you go.